Welcome to another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. As always, I'm your show host, Alicia Barr, your revolutionary sales coach for solopreneurs and creator of this inspiring podcast. You can check me out at aliciabarr.com. Our podcast is all about alternative sales strategies, whether that's workshopping with people like you or meeting with other experts to bring you real help that you can implement now. This episode is about humans having unique operating manuals in sales and life with Wei Hong. Wei Hong, in his entrepreneurial journey, has made it his passion, purpose, and goal to help people uncover and optimize their unique vehicle of self so that they can untether from the shackles of bad money stories and chronic self-sabotage. He is an author, podcaster, co-founder of several companies, and creator of the Prosperity Breakthrough System. For almost 30 years, he's worked with celebrities, industry thought leaders, and thousands of entrepreneurs all over the world to unlock and define their one unique path to a prosperous life. He blends a unique cocktail of modalities that's grounded in science and quantum physics and elevated through spirituality to help his students and clients break through their prosperity blocks so they can feed their passions and fund their purpose. Wei, welcome to the big show. Sales is not a dirty word. Thank you. I love the title of your podcast because it is such it's so relevant because a lot of people feel that way. And so when I first heard your the name of your uh, podcast, I was like, oh, that's so good <laughs> because growing up, I mean, that's kind of it was a dirt. It was considered a dirty word. It's like, oh, you're a salesperson. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And, you know, I think some of it is like all the sayings, like you could sell ice to an Eskimo. It just implies that the salesperson doesn't have the other person's best interests in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, you have to kind of look at the situation. What is the context? You know, why is that person selling ice to the Eskimo? Because what if ice was only the only ice they had access to was yellow ice, which we all know we don't eat yellow snow or ice, right? Yeah. And what if you had to offer crystal clear, you know, those really cool, beautiful ice that has no bubbles in it. It's like crystal clear all the way through. It's like yeah. gorgeous. I mean, they have little thing, ice trays that specifically make those types of things. Wow. That's, my, that's the mixologist in me. Like I love using those types of ice to make drinks yeah. and everything like that. But anyway. <laughs> That's true. Or what if they had like faces carved in them or something? They were like fancy right. ice. They yeah. Fancy like... ice, right? And not only that, the 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 sustainability and and the shelf life of ice with Eskimos <laughs> is probably a lot longer. So you can get away with ice art selling that because it's kind of like those um those places that have the hotels, those those ice hotels that you can stay yeah. in. Yeah. Right? It's like, well, if they can make a whole hotel about it and so, you know, around it, sell that, why not? Right. And so <laughs> this is the fun thing, right? Sales is it's not what it seems most of the time. And so it, it all depends on whether or not we're willing to go a little bit deeper to figure out, like, well, is it really selling ice to an Eskimo or is it spe selling special ice? <laughs> <laughs> to an Eskimo who needs to build a hotel. Right. And appreciates good quality ice that's not just off the dirt road. Yeah. This is like from a from a stream blessed by the gods. And the monks that represent the gods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that I love so much about Wei is everybody is that he um, is all about customization, which also I am. 
about customization. So I've never met another person who believed in it as much as I do. And um, the truth is we're all different, right? Like we all have really different personalities and preferences. And a lot of times we're shamed into fitting into a mold that is not Mm. us. Um, And we suffer for it. And so do the people around us because we are not as high quality of a version of ourselves as we could be. We were just allowed to be that quiet bookworm or to be that person who's only good in the morning and not the night or vice versa. Right. right. So right. way, can you tell us a little bit more about that um, with human optimization? Yeah. Um, so we have, um, I work with a patented human assessment technology, 20 years of research patent about nine years ago. And it is the only one that can be patentable because it's not based on psychometrics. It's based on quantum physics, the quantum physical representation of that human being. And what I love about it is it's afforded me and any human being, including yourself, that has experienced it, the understanding that we, every human being is different. And we all knew that from the day we were born, we were just cultivated and academically curated into wanting to needing to fit in otherwise we would be off and i think i did a a piece of content not too long ago posing the question that what if normal was to be different as opposed to just being like everybody else right and because we we were afforded the ability with this technology to be able to objectively understand just how different every human being is uh, it, it actually lent more into this deeper belief that it's no longer an intuitive thing for me. It's no longer a postulation for me that I had growing up. Why is everybody different? There's got to be a reason, right? Now it's backed by science and nature. And we, I can make that big promise that every human being, for example, who are into sales and want to improve their sales, oftentimes it's because you're try, probably trying to sell like somebody else that's not you. And when you jump uh, jump off that bandwagon and decide to forge your own path by understanding yourself first and foremost and how you show up in the world, then that gives you the first opportunity to be able to step into um, a selling capacity as a salesperson or doing any form of sales in a sustainable way because it's uniquely you. Yeah, it's like permission Mm -hmm. backed by science. Right. Permission to be yourself, not right. based on anything except like science. So I'm not crazy, you guys. This is right. real. Um, and I loved your comparison when we spoke earlier about, uh-huh. you know, why would you water a cactus the same way that you would water a willow tree? Exactly. And expect the same result. Right. I mean, we see it in nature, right? And, and I think I think Greek philosophers often laughed at ourselves at, at humankind saying the, the moment human beings invented language, that's when we started to disconnect from nature. That's when we started to lie to ourselves and others to think that we're no longer part of nature when in fact, that is like the biggest like, like flaw of the, that human beings are struggling with today is because we're struggling to try to be independent of nature when in fact we would actually do much better if we aligned ourselves with nature we look into nature we see the different plants we know how to water i mean people who are botanists or people who have a green thumb you understand you treat every plant and species a little bit differently 
right? Uh, we look at different dogs, we look at different cars even, and we know without having to get into a Lamborghini, it's going to drive differently than a Hummer, right? It's going to go into a different environment in a better way than a Hummer. Whereas a Hummer can actually forge nature in a way that Lamborghinis could not. What makes us think that we as human beings are any different than what we observe in nature? Not that cars are nature, but we created it. So it's kind of like a metaphorical representation, yeah. <laughs> if you will. But yeah, I, I, I think one of the biggest struggles in the years of working with entrepreneurs and everything, because, you know, like you, I used to actually teach sales. Right? It was called The Art of Selling Without Selling. It was a workshop I did a lot. And it was actually um, created because my, my boss couldn't figure out why I was always making more sales than everybody else. And he says, can you put together a workshop for your fellow brethren and teach them how to do sales better for the greater good of the company? I'm like, sure, I could do that. I mean, I don't even know what I'm doing, but okay, I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, turns out it wasn't about sales. It was about connection. It was about me just being me and showing up as me and selling me, not the product, not the service, but selling me, right? And if I aligned with somebody, they would, they would buy. If I didn't align with somebody, they, then they don't buy. But more importantly, it's not that I don't li align with that person. If I didn't show up as me, I would, my conversion <laughs> rates wouldn't be as high. And so when I built that workshop or that seminar, or I guess it was a workshop, uh, at the end of the day, the plot twist at the end was it's not about the sales strategy or the process. It's about you being the, me the best you you can be and serve at the highest, highest level you can as that unique, that unique person that you are. Yeah, so you guys, it isn't about being likable. Uh, I think that that could be like an easy confusion there. Like, oh, you're just good with people and likable. Like, no, you're no. just showing up um, in a way that feels very authentic. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of that also is letting the other person be themselves mm -hmm. too. Right. Um, so when you show up so un unapologetically you, mm -hmm. and there's no judgment to the other person for showing up, however they're showing up. Would you say that that's a key part of the magic? Yeah. I, I, you know, it's interesting that you say that, that likable piece. It's so true. I, I bought things like big, significant things from very unlikable people, but they were so authentically them that I could trust that I could trust the information they were conveying to me, even though I probably wouldn't be friends with them afterwards. Right. Um, yeah. as I've, as I've progressed in, you know, learning more and more and deepening my integration of this technology in my world, that is fewer and far between. I, it, it comes back to, can I objectively honor this human being in front of them? And when you transcend to a greater state of love and existence and everything like that, you start to love everybody. But when I was younger and stuff like that, yeah, I mean, I, I would buy stuff from very unlikable people, but because they were so authentically a-holes, I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, I, I get what you're all about. I want the product. I want the service. I just don't. And then as long as you're not tethered to it for the rest of my life, I'm good. <laughs> well, sometimes somebody can just be so expert at what they do, but I, I do really love like the, the authenticity piece of it. And I mean, if somebody's mm -hmm. an asshole like right. is that are, are there really uh i know you like to call them vehicles we each have our own vehicle are there really vehicles that are made for it's an asshole vehicle is that a thing 
Well, you know, so here, so here's where we go into what the human rhetoric of things. You know, um, being an a hole is a subjective thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. And oftentimes it comes from a lack of understanding of that unique vehicle of expression. And at the same time, we're all human. And so we'll have our good days, we'll have our bad days. We have strong states, we have our weak states. You know, it's just a little bit of the technology. Y you understand what the nuclear forces are that are running underneath. And as long as we're alive, there are nuclear forces running underneath. And if we remember from high school or college physics, nuclear forces, they're strong states and they're weak states. Just like human beings, we have strong days and then we have our weaker days, right? When we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, to quote the, the uh, AA community of HALT, right? Um, we will have an easier time not perceiving the world in the most optimal way, right? So when someone shows up in a less than desirable way, uh, it doesn't mean they're a terrible person and it doesn't mean they're a forever a-hole. They're just an a-hole in that moment. And if they had the opportunity to be able to optimize themselves a little bit, you might observe a very different animal as a result, right? And, and that's kind of the lens that I approach life in now these days just so that you know it's less triggering for me because the the reality is this if we're having biases and we're passing judgment on another human being and then we get triggered well that's on us it's based on our perception of things i mean i'm reminded of the story of this this monk that was not only robbed but stabbed by this robber who was then later on caught and while he was still being tended to his wounds he implored the police to not, you know, to be to be kind to the robber, to be to give him grace. Of all people, he was the one that implored that 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 kind of like implored the policeman the most. Right. He was the loudest, you know, wheel, squeaky wheel. No, the loudest voice in, in that part of that, that conversation. And, and what that comes down to is having that 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 ultimate level of compassion to to truly do uh, you know observe or take in every human being as in a, in the most objective way possible right because you i think you and i were having a conversation earlier before this episode that you don't know what that person's going through you don't know what kind of stories are running in their lives in that moment what drives them to operate in the less than ideal way as a human being you know yeah, i think i think when people like just chalk off oh they're just evil they're just born that way that's that's called lazy humany or is that a word? No, Be, that's being a it lazy human. But you know what I mean, right? I mean, it's it's truly like calling a kettle black. I mean, it's like you know what was that that scripture? Like he he or she without sin cast the first stone, right? Yeah. And of course, nobody can cast one because hello, we're human. Yeah. We're fallible, fallible by nature, right? Yeah. I mean, so there's so much there that's important. Like it's almost like this deeper level of empathy. Like, why would you be mad at a rose for not growing like a weed? You know, it's right. just like, why exactly. would you even mm -hmm. like waste time on that? Um, mm -hmm. and understanding that it's no one can make you feel any certain way. Right. And everything that's happening, the, the way that somebody's reacting is never personal. And there are layers to understanding that it's not personal. But like, once you get really <laughs> to a deep layer, you realize that they have a whole perception of life that's causing them to act a certain way towards you that right. really has, even if you're acting not great, it's right. still not your fault. 
that they're because they yeah they say it has nothing to do with you right and, and it's interesting because you know the the way i when i work with my students and clients about you know shifting their perception of the world to a more empowered state of existence is considering yourself kind of like you are the like you were saying uh, before we started this conversation like every human being is their own protagonist in their own life movie and everybody that shows up is a casted character that you casted on some level to have in your life casted to play a specific role and if the, if you casted that person to play a role to trigger the heck out of you well that's on you you know the late dr wayne dyer basically i love one of the one of the things that he said was like when you squeeze an orange right what comes out of it and of course everybody goes orange juice right well why why does orange juice comes out of orange when you squeeze it because it was in there to begin with <laughs> right? i was yeah. sitting in the car next to an ex-girlfriend years ago and um she was going through about a road rage and I was sitting next to her figuring out why is she so angry? We were both in the same car, observed the same circumstance and yet she's raging and I'm sitting there going, what happened? I have no idea, right? And it wasn't like we were looking in two different directions. We saw the exact same thing happened. I think she got cut off or perceived to be cut off, okay? I was like, oh, okay, well, they must be off, you know, going, wanting to go somewhere really fast. And she was just off the rails. And I sat there and I said, Wow, this is really interesting. Why am I not as pissed off as her? Right? Why am I? And and, and here's the thing is it's, it's it's our choice. Our choice of perception, right, is what then leads us to, uh, to a specific end result. And if the end result is being pissed off, right, because it's triggering some deep down belief system in ourselves, then that's what we did. We chose that particular perception and that interpretation of what we perceived so that we can be pissed off. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of like when somebody flicks me off on the road, I'm like, man, they must be having a really bad day. Yeah. And it, that's so important to keep in mind in a sales conversation as well is like, yes. this person has a whole bunch of stuff they, they had to take care of their kids this morning. Maybe uh -huh. one of their kids was annoying and wouldn't get uh -huh. their shoes on. And like, they have a big list of things they need to do. And now you're coming in uh, to the call. And right. then to your point, they're probably not optimized to their human vehicle. Yeah. Or they're operating in the weak state. They're not being, they're not being um, fed, so to speak, you know, energetically, physically, maybe they haven't even eaten all day. Right. And they're not showing up as their, their best selves. Right. And then if you're in the middle of having a sales conversation and you don't recognize that, you don't see that what might happen, there's a couple of things that might happen. One, you might not make the sale at all. You might not serve that, that prospect in the highest and best way. Um, or you might get triggered or you That's might right. use that circumstance and say, oh, I'm not a good salesperson. Oh, I suck at this. Oh, That's I should quit my job or I quit my work or I should shut this business down because look at this. Yet another sale, yet another no, without even thinking about, wait a minute, what did I just use by uh, uh, what I observed to curate this particular chatter in my head? Because 
that chatter of I'm not good enough, I don't, I shouldn't be doing sales, or I suck at sales, or I shouldn't, maybe I should sell something else, or maybe I should change my niche, or all those different things that create chaos, what we call self-sabotage, that was already in there to begin with. You just used your experience to validate or trigger what was already floating around in there. And why do that, Wei? Why is is there something addictive to feeling bad? Well, it, it goes further back, right? You know, and a lot of times, you know, I think a lot of modalities will say, okay, yeah, just stop that or, you know, reframe that or whatever. And, and we forget that one of the prime directives of the unconscious mind that is responsible for that chatter, that ongoing chatter is one of the prime directives is self-preservation. It's preservation of self. So on some level, that part of you believes it's justified as a way of survival, as a way of protecting self, as a way of all those different things. You know, I worked with a client one time where they had a deep, deep belief that they're not good enough. And as long as they're not good enough, they won't, they can fly under the radar and not get in trouble. Right? Mm. Because if you stand out, Okay, then you might be the one that, you know, gets the belt or you might be the one that gets called on. Right. And you and if you don't have the answer, you might get punished for that and you get ridiculed and then you'll be like even worse than before. And so when we uncovered that, I said, where do you think that shows up? He goes everywhere, everywhere in my life. This is what is going. This is why I'm here. I said, good. Well, let's get rid of that. And so we get, you know, you get to the root cause. That's what we call the root cause. You get the, you get rid of that all of a sudden that chatter goes away. Now the mind is no longer seeking to co-create events and experiences to support that deeper belief. This is when your sales starts going through the roof because you stop self-sabotaging. Yeah. So, I mean, like you were saying there, like, so you might react a bunch of different ways to a situation where somebody's not in their optimal state. Mm -hmm. So by saying, I'm not a good salesperson, I should just quit. You're protecting yourself from failing, supposedly. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you get triggered, yeah. And if you get triggered to get angry at the other person, you're protecting your respect or what you stand for or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can see that like thread mm -hmm. through, like it is your brain just trying to keep you safe by making you feel horrible <laughs> about yeah. yourself. Yeah, I know. And, and, and here's the thing is that the unconscious <laughs> mind is like a five, six-year-old kid that that's a really smart kid. Have you ever had a conversation with a five, six-year-old kid that was like full sentences, full conversation? I was like, who are you? And how, wait, you're, you're five, you're six? That's kind of our unconscious mind. And it, it continues to mature from a informational knowledge standpoint, but from its reactionary standpoint, in terms of the primal nature of our existence, it really doesn't age past five or six. And so the biggest age gap that the generation gap that we talk about all the time with parents and kids, isn't that it's not even from grandparents to our kids. It's actually the generation gap, the age gap between our conscious mind and our unconscious mind. The conscious mind has awareness of time and temporal reality, which means that it, it actually is consciously aware of aging, whereas the unconscious mind doesn't. It doesn't care about that. Space and time don't matter to the unconscious mind because the unconscious mind operates on a quantum level. And so when we forget that, because the conscious mind is so linear, we think that the unconscious mind should be linear too. No, 
the simplest test is this, right? Like, like if I were to ask you, give me five words to describe um, a, a zebra, just random. I don't know. You know, black, white, horse, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, donkey, mane. Okay. okay, great. And if two weeks later down the road, I ask you the same question, what is the likelihood that you respond in the exact same way, in the exact same order, in the exact same tone with the information that you just gave me? I feel like it's maybe, small. It might, yeah, it might not even be the same one, right? You might say, yeah, instead of, instead of main, right? And that's because that's an example of how the unconscious mind works. It's not linear. If it was, you would be able to repeat the same thing over and over again every single time you're asked that same question. It goes into that cloud and that ether and just pulls in information from that database that you have. But depending on your state of mind, your state of that, what frequency you're at or what, what your state of perception or how well, you know, what, what kind of mood you're in, you're going to respond differently. And that's why the unconscious mind is almost untamable in that sense if you try to tame it from a conscious way, from a linear way. So that makes sense why you would tap into beliefs that might have served you when you were six, like, oh, don't get noticed because your brain doesn't realize your unconscious brain doesn't realize it was that long ago that it's right. no longer relevant. Right. And yeah. that's why we, it's so important for us to understand. And the more and more people are understanding that today, as opposed to 20, 30 years ago, which is the importance of upgrading your operating system, the willingness to go in and have that deep profound rapport with yourself again to say, hey, let's renegotiate some of these rules that we have for ourselves and let's update it. Let's upgrade this operating system so we're not running Windows 2.5 because it's now Windows 11 now or whatever it is. I don't 13, even know. 12. Man, I, don't I, don't, know. I have a Mac. I moved away from that ecosystem. I moved to Mac. Okay, yeah. so yeah. same thing, you know. But yeah, and, and that's that's really what needs to happen. And so what, when it comes to sales, a lot of the times, you know, if we're not, you know, and this is how people who can, who can sell all their lives and successfully do so because they're constantly evolving. I think the beautiful thing about people who have committed themselves to just being sales people, right? To just say, I love sales. I'm going to do sales and stuff like that because it's not a bad word <laughs> and I'm just going to do sales. It's because they, they are kind of like entrepreneurs in and of itself. Even if you're working, you're, and you're like an entrepreneur inside the context of a company. Because in order for you to sustainably sell for your entire life, you actually have to grow as a human being and evolve and stay relevant to the flow of humanity. Because sales is about a human being connecting with another human being and providing a solution for that human being. And every generation, right, human beings have shifted and evolved a little bit. And if you are using some archaic way of selling that worked in the 80s, dun, 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 you know, it's, <laughs> it's not going to be relevant. You know, here in 2022, at the time of this recording, that's a long time. And I've met people like that and they're struggling. <laughs> They're Definitely. absolutely struggling and they're still holding on that moniker. It's like, I was like the number one global salesperson back in 1988. I was like, 88, why are you still working for one thing? But no, if you are working, you're still doing sales and stuff like that. That's 88. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's very true. Sales is such an emotional and mental game, almost mm -hmm. more than any other position I feel like. Mm -hmm. So to constantly be aware of what's driving you and what's driving others will make mm -hmm. a huge difference yep. in your success. Yep. Um, and I mean, 
a lot of us don't even understand what's driving us on the level that your optimization technology explains. So right. like, can you give us an example of, I know everybody is unique, but an example of a common scenario where somebody doesn't realize the way they're acting doesn't serve them based on just how they were naturally born. Like a cactus right. doesn't need that much water, right. but they're just overwatering it and they're dying. Right. Yeah, no, I, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, so I was asked to speak uh, at a, to a group of, uh, to, a, to a community that was all about selling from stage, speaking on stage, those types of things. And they wanted me to address the challenge why some people were just like, great. And they sold on stage, they used the, they used the system and the strategy that was taught to them and they did really well. And some just struggled. And, you know, it, it, my presentation actually got the facilitators to reevaluate their entire approach because the reality is this, is that there are certain people who have access to a particular motivational driver that makes them really good at speaking one to many they, because it actually energizes them to do that. There are those who, who aren't that right and they actually and it doesn't mean they can't sell from stage it just needs to be a smaller stage they're more about the intimate connections the one-on-ones or the one to three or four as opposed to one to like hundreds of people in the room and when we start to recognize that that's the unique way that you sell you don't have to buy into this system that forces you to have to sell in a way that doesn't match you which then, of course, allows you to be able to maintain energy for the long term and you don't burn out. A lot of the work that, that we do now is around optimizing human beings so that they can continue doing what they're doing in a way that works for them so they don't have to worry about burning out. You know, one of the biggest challenges I see and the saddest thing I see, especially in the world of the healing community and those who provide services to help another human being and then such as like, ophthalmologists and dentists and you know those who and they say oh i'm gonna and they have their own practice they have their own clinical practice and everything and they're doing well and then they show up one day saying they retire they're gonna retire and it it always blows my mind because if if they feel if they keep saying that this is their purpose is to help another human being is to heal another human being why would you retire from that you know and when I dove deeper into that and I was in query of that going, why are these people retiring and then not doing what they've been doing all their life to help others? The reality is because they're burnt out. They just call yeah. it retirement, but the reality is they're burnt out. And what happens is we find ourselves burning out because we bought into a particular rhetoric of this is what you need to do to succeed in this space. I had a client who had a two, like a multi-million dollar company and he was burning out and he wanted to get rid of it. And it was very premature. I said, why? He says, I don't know. And then so when he took the assessment and we looked at him, it's like, well, he doesn't have big access to what, you know, he was trying to be the CEO of the company. He didn't have big access to what we call the leadership spoke, which is what you kind of need to sustain being a CEO for a company long term. What he loved and what built the company was the intimate one-on-one -on -one relationships that he built with the vendors and the clients and everything like that. And so one of the stories we had to kind of challenge and disrupt 
when I sat down with him, I says, what, why do you feel like you need to be CEO? Because I think this is why you're burning out. He says, well, I own the company. Shouldn't I be CEO? He says, no. When you own the company, you could be the darn janitor if you want. You own the company. You could be whatever you want in the context of the company. So might as well be the, the, the best cog of that machine because you're designed in a unique way, which is all about intimate connection with your clients and your vendors and your partners in, of the business. Fine. Go hire another CEO. You don't need to be CEO. And when he did that, that's when his business took off. And he was no longer burning out and he was able to kind of like keep stay in the game. In fact, I think we 3X or 5X his business or something like that as a result. Yeah. So, I mean, knowing that if you knew what your unique way of selling was, and we've talked about this and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, implementing ways technology into what I do with people because everything that I customize to people is based on intuition at this point. Mm -hmm. So this would probably give data to my intuition and make mm -hmm. it even clearer. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, imagine anybody listening, the activities that make you feel so tired mm -hmm. and understanding why mm -hmm. and no understanding how to do them differently or not do them at all or delegate them. And what would that do for your performance? Yeah. You know, I, I love that you do that. You know, and it, it, it's it's not like our technology does something that no one's ever done before. We, we Dr. Zana, who is my business partner that, had, that created the technology, she has a, I, I love it when she says this, is that human beings intuit one of two ways. We either intuit ignorance or intelligence. And so sometimes we figure it out, like you probably figure out how to intuit a level of intelligence about your clients, but is that scalable? Is that duplicatable? Mm -hmm. And so there is a unique and very cool way that you already do it. What our technology would then do when you integrate it is to systematize it, do it in a way so that you can actually teach someone else in your organization how to do that because it's now you, you'll attach the science to it so that it's grounded in how you, it'll explain how you're intuiting the unique way that each of your clients sell in their own unique fashion. Yeah, it would yeah. be amazing. And honestly, anybody listening to this, like, I mean, it's amazing on multiple levels, right? Not, not just sales. Um, right. you know, how you show up as a partner, as a parent, as a child, um, as a friend, there are things that we're all being forced to do that don't feel right and shaming ourselves or shooting on ourselves mm -hmm. because they say that that's how we're supposed to do them. Um, and like life is just not, there's just no one size fits all. So I know you have like an optimism and a pessimism spoke. Some people are naturally pessimistic and they're mm -hmm. made to feel really bad about it. Mm -hmm. And so what do they do? You had, what happens when they force themselves to be optimistic? Well, they, it actually exhausts them, makes them tired. And then you, you, you actually get even more exhausted and then you actually have even more pessimism. So now you're more pessimistic, almost like artificially pessimistic because you're not, and because to a point where it's almost intolerable because you're swinging hard to try to kind of like offset the fake optimism. The reality is, you know, in our countries, in the U.S. anyway, it's not, it doesn't do a really good job honoring those who don't have optimism in them. 
we think that everybody can be taught how to be optimistic. And, and the, herein lies the challenge with, with being human. Human beings are probably one of the most amazing machines on the planet, if not the most amazing machine on the planet, because we could learn to do just about anything. And that's a double-edged sword. I love it when Einstein was, I, well, I, and people quote Einstein said, or attribute this to what Einstein said, but I'm actually not quite sure. But anyway, you know, it's something along the lines of judge, judge a fish all its life for and its inability to climb a tree and it will spend its entire life thinking it's stupid. Right. Yes. And that's end up that unfortunately is a lot of what we end up doing to ourselves. You know, we think we're we, we, we think we're so far apart and so above nature that that we can we, we're like a Swiss army knife. We can do everything. And the reality is that is not an optimal use of ourselves. Most of us who are ambitious and high achievers have probably recognized that on some level that there are some things that we're really good at and there's some things that we're just not. And the more you embrace that, the better, the more successful you'll be in life. Now, I know that people are probably listening to this sometimes like, well, you know, I'm just here to listen to about the sales piece and stuff like that. Well, don't think that when you live a less than optimized life outside of your work, outside of sales, that it's not going to affect your sales. It's not going to affect how you show up. Just think about the last time you had a terrible day, but you still had to do the sales call and you showed up. How did that call go? Yeah, you might have closed it too, but God, probably took a lot out of you just to close it. Or worse yet, you didn't close at all, right? It's because everything that was going on in your life, you carried in with you because you didn't know how to optimize yourself before getting onto that sales call. Yes, it's true. It's it, the, it goes back to the emotional and mental game. You need to have all the areas uh, in your, you are going to sell more when the rest of your life is going well, period. Yep. yep. So I think that's a good stopping point for us. And we've, so we've reached the end of yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. And this episode was about humans and their unique operating manuals for sales and life. So thank you so much again, Wei, for making an yeah. appearance as a guest today. It's always so interesting talking to you. I know. I know. And I wish that sometimes we can just go quantum on thing with no temporal reality and just have just go on because even I can probably talk to the cows come home. <laughs> if only time didn't exist. Yeah. Um, and all right, wait, can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and figure out their own human operating manual? Yeah, there's a couple of ways. Uh, one of the ways to kind of learn a little bit more about uh, all the different things that you know I talk about and also talk about with uh, others is um, we have a, um, a podcast network called Untethered and Prosperous, which you were a guest on as well. So yes. uh, look for that episode when it comes out. And um, you can also, to learn more about the technology, you can go to humanoptech.com where you can just kind of geek out on you know some of the things that we do there uh, and and if you want to take the assessment that'll give you your own unique operating manual of self for life so that you don't have to guess anymore on what it means to lead a more successful and optimized lifestyle and you know one thing i forgot to mention is that you know unlike other assessments out there no two human beings will get the exact same result which is kind of cool. So we're not going to force you into a four bucket or one number cubby hole. We're going to give you your own unique, like your thumbprint result. So if you want to go there, it's humanoptech.com. H-U-M-A-N-O-P-T-E-C-H. -E 
O-P-T-E-C-H.com. So that's, Which I highly recommend Google me. <laughs> yeah. And I highly recommend you guys getting that assessment. I did it. It was very eye-opening. It really mm-hmm. helped me understand how to motivate myself better and just have clarity on how I can be better in every area of my life. Mm-hmm. So definitely recommend at least going to check out what it consists of. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has been the sales is not a dirty word podcast where we show you how to convert up to 80% of the people you talk to without pain pressure or pretending to be someone else. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>